Hello listeners, welcome back to the podcast and to the Future of X series. If you've been following us for some time, you'll know that Future of X goes deep into new and emerging tech territories with the aim of sharing the knowledge with all of us. In these episodes, we discuss advancements and innovations that are underway in fast evolving sectors and verticals. Today, we have with us Varun Dua, co-founder and CEO of the general insurance platform Acco. and we will be discussing with him something critical to the future of life and work in india insurance varun has extensive experience in the insurance industry spanning over a decade this is what he knows best and it shows in how well acco is doing before acco he was ceo and co-founder of coverfox among other things what's special about acco is its simplicity and this is by design Acco is looking to disrupt the insurance industry and make it more transparent and offer hassle-free access to policies something that is critical in a country like ours and where insurance is still accessible only to a certain populace but what's next for Acco as it scales and what's next for this industry we learn from today's terrific episode joining us on this episode or abhinav chaturvedi and subrato mitra my partners at axel both have worked closely with acco from inception and were the first to champion this particular problem and acco's vision to solve it their views on this sector and why they think varun is a special entrepreneur are also great questions i want to get into today let's dive in Welcome back to the Seed to Scale podcast, Varun, Abhinav, and Subhuto. All repeat guests. So super happy to have you back. Super exciting to be here. Awesome, cool. So I'm going to start out with you, Varun. So for the few who don't know what Acco is, I recommend everyone to try it out. Uh, but please tell us a little bit about Acco and the current scale of Acco. Cool. So Acco is about uh, five five years old now. Uh, we are a, a general insurance company, or in, in in some places known as a PNC company. We underwrite our own products, create our own products. Uh, from a scale perspective, uh, we've got about now close to sixty million uh, customers who we've insured uh, across different products. Um, probably this year we are at a uh, close to about a two fifty to three hundred million uh, revenue uh, revenue run rate. Uh, largest business for us is auto insurance. Uh, we are a direct to large direct to consumer and probably the only direct to consumer uh, uh, auto insurance company. Uh, apart from that, our second line of business is lots of contextual products uh, across travel, gadgets, uh, loans, uh, and recently we've forayed into the next big bastion, which is uh, health insurance. So that's what we've been doing for the last five years. Got it. I've used multiple of the products. It's, it's awesome. So Varun, when we last did the podcast, two thousand eighteen, you were running Cover Fox and now Acco. So walk us through what has happened in the last four years of the Acco journey. Um, so, so Cover Fox was sort of the you know foundational ground for me also to understand whether you know that we really needed to control product pricing claims and and Cover Fox was a distribution model, a marketplace model. and uh, over a period of time there was a realization that it's a it's it's these are the long term products uh, customers stick with you for years uh, it's a trust business and we really need to deliver far better experiences to customers pricing to customers to be able to uh, really deliver value uh, and that was the start of the underwriting journey that we need to underwrite our own own uh, own products 
uh, with ACO. Um, I think the biggest three, four things which have been, you know, learnings for us or pivotal moments or let me call it highlights over the last three, four years. Uh, one was our, our uh, realization that we need to, given the fact that it's a trust business, uh, people will trust an ICIC or Tata Bajaj. We've all grown up with these names, but for a new company, for customers to come and park their money uh, is, is hard. Uh, it's, it's actually reverse of lending. Lending is easy. You'll take money from whoever gives you, uh, uh, you know, uh, cheap money. Yeah. Uh, but on the insurance side, it's it's reverse. So I think one of the biggest learnings was that we need to start with price and convenience categories. Right? We'd love to insure customers for their health, life, auto, you know, their phones, all of it. Uh, you can't start with complex categories. You need to ladder up on the trust uh, quotient. So I think uh, price and convenience categories were auto, gadgets, travel. Uh, where the customer is is okay to give you a shot, uh, you know, uh, as a as a new brand. I think that those really went into the design principles of the business. That we will do auto, we will do some contextual products for customers where the transaction velocity is higher. I think that was one big learning. Second, within auto, I think the biggest highlight, which is our largest business today, was that really you don't think of insurance as a hyper local business, uh, but with auto, we realized it is uh, some sort of a localized. Uh, localized business business it took us almost i would say two years to understand that uh, that uh, when you want to underwrite customers and uh, you need to have enough geographical local knowledge uh, you know which are the theft prone pockets where do accidents happen uh, when cars need to be repaired uh, you need supply chain efficiencies on repairing cars for cheaper so you need density of customers in a certain geography i think over a period of time auto became like a local business for us that we need to win city by city uh, I think that that was a pivotal moment for us, really for the business to start taking shape uh, in the way that we uh, desired. Third, I would uh, um, highlight uh, COVID. Uh, you know, for a risk business, COVID is, is, and when you've got to pay out claims, I think biggest learning uh, uh, was that we always knew that we were in a risk business, but I think there was no better uh, awakening uh, that COVID could have. Uh, we had some insurance companies in India launch COVID products and uh, business was down. Um, COVID products were selling, uh, auto insurance no one was buying, and there was a huge temptation to launch products, uh, you know, which could shore up revenue, scale up revenue. We refrained from uh, underwriting COVID insurance policies because our balance sheet would be exposed. It was a huge temptation at, at, at that point, and I think that was a, a critical moment for the team to and for all of us to understand that uh, in a balance sheet business, it's about risk-adjusted growth, not just you know, some some top line. I think that's become a motto for the company that you always need to have risk adjusted, you know, uh, growth. And probably the last thing I'd like to point out is that uh, uh, we've really developed into a solid team. I think the company, uh, the leadership that's that's come together uh, over the last uh, few years, uh, practically I had only 20%, 10% value now. I think the ship runs uh, with, with, with a lot of support and a lot of maturity from leaders. I think these are four or five big things that have happened in the last four years. Got it. That's super helpful. So with that context, let's come to the topic of today, the future of insurance uh, tech. I want to bring in Abhinav and uh, Subruto into the conversation now. So uh, Subruto, Abhinav, you've been on this journey right from the beginning, right? So from Cowfox into ACO and, and you've seen the insurance sector in India uh, evolve. So maybe talk about what what are some of the things that have changed in the last uh, how many years? Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe I'll start and then Abhinav, you uh, fill in because you're closer to the action. 
Uh, for me, um, when we went to CoverFox, uh, I think we had already done uh, a bunch of these e-commerce kind of companies. And on FinTech, I had done Scribbox. So I would looked at both distribution models as well as Scribbox. I would call it more as a brand. Um, so I, I found that uh, building a brand is significantly harder in India. So uh, my bias was maybe towards, you know, build distribution first. With, with products that are uh, relatively easy to understand and which is kind of required across the spec spectrum. And then as you figure out which of these sub products are really, really, you know, differentiated and niche, you go create brands there. So, so I probably was trying to put that same image into insurance. And, and that's why it was very intriguing when we found CoverFox and uh, actually Prashant and I, we were working at it initially, uh, Abhinav got uh, rolled in. Um, and, and that's why I thought that that will be a great place to start. Uh, simple product, which is uh, high uh, potential distribution. So that, that's how we got into CoverFox. But specifically talking about, you know, insurance as a sector, uh, we have seen, you know, in the last 20 years, how we, we used to buy car insurance, you know, the, some offline agent would walk in and, and try to tell you what's the difference between uh, uh, one type of car insurance versus the other and i would be scratching my head as to why the hell is one actually different from the other um, but but uh, i guess that's why this thin layer of uh, you know kind of comparison shopping equivalent came in where you could look at multiple different products and you could quickly pick and then the backend integration that uh, you know these guys created so you could buy that product uh, online very quickly and simply so as, as we started working with Varun, um, I think we always used to look at, you know, what other models so we could relate to a Geico and then in China, some of these models started taking off. And then Varun came and told us that uh, if you have you know, very identified groups, he could actually, and, and the important thing is it's obviously a, a category that is uh, very closely monitored by IRDA. So you can't have the flexibility to create new products that easily. So, so one of the things I learned from Varun early on is if you have a identified group, you could actually do very specialized kind of products for them. Mm. And, and uh, then as we figured out, you know, ran CoverFox for a while, um, you know, we, one of the things we figured out is uh, um, it's probably better to be vertically integrated in this category as opposed to do the distribution for, for multiple set of reasons, uh, which is where I, I guess uh, Varun decided to kind of create ACO. And, and I think we were very lucky that we were already in cover foxes. So it was sort of a natural prog progression for us. Uh, maybe, Abhinav, you want to add anything? Yeah, no, I think on similar lines, uh, you know, the insurance industry in India hasn't really been, you know, seen real innovation in the last 20, 30 years. Um, you know, and, and you should add more. Typically, the way insurance companies work, and these are largely bank-led insurance companies, um, they have a distribution channel across banks, uh, offline agents, and some of them sell online. And they are largely driven by the, the distribution agent they sell to. And so, so the underwriting is very, very, uh, you know, archaic, and it's not very relevant for the consumer who they sell the product to. And so very little innovation has happened in the last 20, 30 years. And th there was some little incremental innovation, which uh, Shubhra talked about, which is making it easier to buy these products, which is largely through online aggregators. And I distinctly remember talking to Varun about it, where, you know, I think people know about it, but very it's very difficult to sort of zoom out and come up with, with a plan saying that, hey, I'm going to build an insurance company. Because, you know, at that point in time, when we are speaking, this is 2016, 2017? Yeah, 2016. 20, yeah. Like, it was unimaginable to to 
even think of starting an insurance company for ver- for a variety of reasons one you will need a lot of capital uh, maybe like close to 40 50 million dollars to start with at that point in time as seed stage capital to start a business um to get a license there was no no uh, there was no a uh, president of a license which was given by IIDA to a venture backed uh, company uh, we already had a uh, you know going concern in coverfox so so there was a company which was running which could have been a reasonable size outcome um, but i think there was something lurking uh, beneath and and that was varun which is saying you know th- there needs to be more fundamental innovation in the industry otherwise we are not really solving a problem and and that was the genesis of sort of how echo came into being yeah yeah i i think one of the you know it's so, such a simple thought process but i i think it takes time to learn and figure it out is when you look at uh, you know um, savings and wealth or when you look at lending or when you look at you know insurance and we all have a distribution manufacturing kind of lens to you know whether i'm an nbfc or i'm just a loan aggregator uh, i think the difference in insurance is that you are not looking for portfolio you know uh, one mutual fund cannot manufacture every kind of investment need that you know uh, you may have you may want to invest in fixed deposits it's it's a portfolio uh, a game but uh, for insurance really i i need as a consumer one reliable company that's it i'm not flipping flopping optimizing uh, i i just need one reliable company where i can park and they don't trouble me at the point of claims and the product works for me uh, so i'm really not looking to shop i'm looking for reliability and permanence uh, because really nobody wants to keep shopping uh, uh, insurance and therefore that to me was was the moment that i don't need 10 insurers i need one you know uh, one compared to i might need 20 mutual funds to you know sort of work my portfolio make it work for me therefore building that one reliable trustworthy brand because you need one health insurance in your life mm-hmm. you need one life insurance you don't need 20 uh, so so that shopping behavior is okay to solve the thin layer like shubhrata said uh but if you can be that reliable uh entity for a certain segment of customers that's it then is 20 30 year annuity revenues that's how we looked at it got it <clears throat> and and this is a tech fr- first approach right so that requires a change in consumer behavior how do you see that happening how is the speed of change and is it changing fast enough um uh, so so tech first approach really helps you sort of solve uh uh you know some fundamental uh, pieces of value that you can deliver to consumers so for example intermediate intermediation costs or distribution costs in the offline world are very very high um to give you a sense you know uh, to buy a health insurance in india you would uh, insurance companies would pay 40% of the first year premium as commission and then 25% forever uh, on the same policy similar on auto slightly lesser but similar that fat intermediation layer you can solve with digital distribution either going direct or having different access points to uh, to customers and that really cheapens the delivery uh, delivery cost to the uh, uh, to the user second part being the underwriting uh, piece where the ownership of the data and the relationship with the customer is with the intermediary and to maintain you know his edge in the business his or her edge in the business they don't pass on information to to Uh, insurance company so you are working with very limited data points as much as the intermediary is willing to give uh, uh beyond what kind of data are we talking about uh, so for auto it's it, like auto i can give you lots of examples in auto in india uh, um i wouldn't take names but the top 5 insurance companies in terms of size and scale have 20% phone numbers for their customers like i'm i'm not even talking any sophisticated and and the reasons are simple uh, it's just that 
the the agent or the car dealer or whoever is selling you the policy wants the ability to flip you maximize commissions if 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 he hands over your contact information or your details to the insurance company then they can develop a direct relationship uh cross sell something to that guy so he loses that customer's wallet mm -hmm. uh and and therefore they just don't pass on any information once you don't have information and you can't you know take take calls on who's a good customer versus a bad customer in an you know underwriting business so it almost becomes the industry has become uh, underwriting a distributor's portfolio yeah rather than underwriting the customer so you're a large distributor for me by and large if you are giving me something which is not loss making i will accept good risk and bad risk because at a portfolio level it's it's kind of working you don't get to cherry pick risk you get to you, you get to manage distribution portfolios and broadly you play with commissions to ensure that you are able to just slightly get better portfolio so there's no customer underwriting that necessarily uh, happens so take direct access to customers with a digital distribution model so all of this in my head is interlinked you know so if you don't have direct access to customers uh, you won't get the data if you won't get the data you don't become a better underwriter if you don't the customers don't contact you at the point of claims uh, uh, today if you have a a small accident most people in india go to the car dealer give him the insurance papers and say you figure it out then you have lost any chance of optimizing claims cost because the customer is not even contacting you to to fulfill the uh, repair job uh, so unless you solve this through and through you're not able to deliver uh, deliver uh, value so technology actually plays a part across the value chain and the entire business model needs to work in cohesion um just having an online distribution model uh just doesn't help i think the next foray of innovation apart from solving these basic customer ownership issues is uh, really customers starting to look at insurance as more than bill payers at the point of mishap mm -hmm. i'll pay your bill you know uh I'll give you an example life insurance nobody provides estate planning services with life insurance you should you know uh, can i provide your service pack to insure your you know to to service your car along with your insurance you know and and amc for your car or, unless the you know customer starts seeing more value from the insurer uh, you you'll always you know you, you have very little interaction points with the uh, customer you you renew and you claim uh, and these are either annual or once in five year so they continue to look at you as somebody who's going to pay the bill mm. uh, that is is probably what aco will work to, towards and globally also we feel that this is where the industry will go that you will really have to provide services aligned to the category uh and 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 take the customer along with you if you take a category like auto what are those kind of services what can you provide oh, we've just started yeah. that actually that now now uh, uh we we have about close to about 2 to 1.5 million vehicles insured with us uh, with us about a million plus cars million and a half bikes uh now we know enough about these users whether the car is hypothecated it's on loan how, what's the accident history of this vehicle are you the first owner are you the second owner uh our stickiness for customers is fairly high so the customers are there with you for 3 4 years right now these cust we are now able to predict uh that are you likely to sell your car mm. uh uh you know with your behavior the age of the car and 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 so or sometimes even asking innocuous questions on the product journeys to saying hey your car is 7 years old are you likely to you know switch cars or now we started to move into providing exchange propositions you know uh, to customers Uh, we tied up with the IDFC bank and did fast tag for our you know customers now we are launching an you know you could buy an AMC plus warranty for your car apart from the insurance just during the 
uh, insurance journey. So I think this is where wallet expansion will happen, stickiness of customers will happen. Auto, we've reached a size and scale where we can now start start this uh, ancillary product journeys, which make uh, uh, the customer stickier and and expand the wallet. And and customer sees far more value from the insurer than saying that if you have an accident, okay, I'll come to you. Got it. And if you look at, and it's a question I want all of you to answer. So if you look at competition at traditional players, why can't they do all this, right? So from a layman's perspective. I think what the biggest reason is, uh, um, and, and, and I mentioned this, like they don't own the relationship with the user. Yeah. You know, uh, the relationship is with the dealer or the bank or the, you know, uh, agent. So, so what unfortunately has become about the, uh, with the insurance industry in India, you're like a wholesale balance sheet. Uh, you create some products which appeal to distributors in terms of uh, commission structures that are inbuilt into the product. And really your consumer is the distributor. Uh, because you want the distributor's mind share, wallet share, uh, and the minute you don't have access to the end user, a lot of things you can't do. So, for example, IID is now opening up to value-added services, saying insurance companies can have value-added services. They don't really only need to sell risk products. Like banks can sell you mutual funds or give you a shopping voucher or airline points. Insurance companies are not allowed to have all of these ancillary businesses. Now they are opening that up. But if you don't have access to the end user, he's not talking to you. Mm. Uh, uh, if you have any problem, you're going to call the agent. Then there's there's nothing much you can do. So unless a model changes where you have ownership of relationship, I, I think it'll be hard to pull it off. In the US, this has happened, right? With Geico, Progressive and, and all these guys, they've gone direct also more or we haven't yeah, seen that. Yeah, they've they've probably, Geico, Geico and Progressive are probably holy grail in yeah. terms of uh, yeah. how they've built it out. Uh, they also sell other products they don't insure now, hmm. you know, they, they because they, they're the distribution franchise built within the underwriting franchise, right? So today, if they don't want to offer life insurance, but they have uh, as a balance sheet, they sell other people's products and customers trust them, you know, uh, just the ownership of, of the customer. So you build the trust, you build the yeah. direct relationship, then you can cross sell other uh, insurance as well as value. Right? Yeah. Um, anything to add? Yeah, I think the U.S. Um, I would, I mean, where we are today, I would, I would call it like more insurance 2.0 in India, which is very similar to you know Geico and Progressive movement in the U.S. Um, you know, we're building these direct pipes to the consumer, figuring out what they need, trying to price the product to their risks, also building the underlying infrastructure to make sure that the claims are processed fast and and you know there is a offline network, garages, et cetera, to process all that thing. So I think it's, it's more like that. In the U.S. markets now, uh, now like if you if you compare it to today, uh, the, the newer players have become very, very different. I mean, they, they have gone to a level where, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out a way that uh, you can price the pro- product basis, driver's ability to, to drive the car and so on, which hasn't really worked out so far. So the 3.0 model in the U.S. hasn't really, I mean, you can see the stock prices, et cetera, of a bunch of these players. That hasn't really worked out. Uh, I think India is a little far from there. And and the U.S. market is different in the sense that, uh, you know, it's a market which is large but slow growing, very high competitive intensity. Yeah. Uh, for the new age players there, it was very, very difficult to acquire customers from the existing large incumbents. And so they spent a lot of money on CAC. And they couldn't retain these, uh, you know, customers for a long period of time because they found a better price in Kaiko and so on. Uh, that's not the case in India. 
India is a fast growing market. The private share of the market is growing faster than the public share of the market. So, so if the overall insurance industry is growing at 15%, the private market is growing at 25%. And there is actually there is no real direct to consumer, uh, yeah. you know, player in, in the Indian market. What do you think? There's there's nothing there, uh, nothing in India in terms of going direct to consumer. And direct to consumer is model is really a choice uh, in a big way. And even in the US. Uh, Geico Progressive who do direct to consumer do not have an intermediary strategy, you mm. know, uh, or even if there is some intermediaries involved, it's like 10% of their business or 15% of the business. On the other side, you have somebody like Allstate, which is mm. fairly large, which is like the ICSA Lombard of India or, or you know, uh, very large. So companies have not been able to traverse both models in the same same company. Channel conflict comes up, complications start to happen. So you, you have to make like a binary you know, uh, choice because the intermediation layer is 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 fairly, uh, fairly strong, and and the model economics are such because the intermediation layers are so fat uh, that Geico, to give you a sense, is probably one of the largest advertisers in the world, not just in insurance. Mm. Uh, it's 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 probably they do one Super Bowl release every year. Their budgets compete with Coke, uh, you know, and and that's how much they they own the category. Uh, therefore, for any new age player to come, uh, uh, it's very hard at that level of, you know, you are the category. If if, if you want to buy auto insurance in, in, in the US, you will check a Geico Progressive quote. And unless they give you a bad quote, you're not going to the new age startup to uh, to find find something, right? That's not the case in, uh, case in India. To give you a reference point, Aqua at its current size and scale, the direct-to-consumer advertising budgets that we we operate with is larger than the entire general insurance industry in India. Mm. Uh, all of all the twenty other insurance companies put together. The reason is all the marketing costs go to uh, intermediation. There's there's no margin left to to advertise or or to go direct. Uh, and for the traditional, for just you you're paying uh, margins in the product are you know are small. Uh, so you've already paid out 25, 30, 40 percent commission. So there's just no room uh, to uh, to spend, and you start becoming the category. And a, a very interesting point uh, is that when you start becoming the category, like in a couple of our older cities, Hyderabad and Bangalore, I would say we are the category. Maybe not Pan India. Uh, these are the first two cities that scaled for us. Uh, a reference point is that 50 percent of all car owners in Hyderabad that exist physically, new cars, old cars, have taken a quote from Aco. Half the population. Now, what tends to happen is you get a shot at the, you get the first dibs at good risk versus bad risk. They're okay to buy from you. Uh, you give them a bad price, you weed it out. So, mm. so you form the virtuous cycle. So the next guy who comes in gets the leftover bad risk. That's where Geico and Progressive have reached. So it's very hard to compete, not only to compete with their CAC, but you get the leftover substandard, not so good, uh, you know, riskier cohort. Uh, so, so that virtuous cycle once, if you are the first mover or the first few movers, you get that advantage because now the next guy who tries to build a direct model will need to compete with trying to build a newer brand and in the interim is going to get all the worse, mm. uh, 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 worse customers. So in the US, you have the driver score and on all that and you can beat out. You're saying Geico will get the first guy. He'll say, this guy is not that great. Let me not say no to him, but give him a high price so that yeah. he goes to the next guy. How do you do such a thing in India? Like, how do you figure that out? Uh, I think India is, uh, you know, relatively data stopped uh, compared to the level of data that is available. Our, our data pipes have become far stronger. We know a lot more about our consumers. We've been able to find uh, 
you know surrogate underwriting uh, to to a large level we know iphone users will have different claim behavior than android phone users and we we found fairly significant uh, correlations in 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 uh, how how customers behave but yes it's not as sophisticated as uh, as it's in the us uh, but uh, pricing our customer out is something that we also do uh, but there is a curve uh, uh, if you could be 20% higher uh, and 10 15% higher and maybe accept that risk but if you think you need to charge 30% higher you actually should not be doing that business at mm. all uh, because even if the customer is willing to pay the 30 30 30 to 40% higher price compared to maybe he has other options in the market then that's most likely to be fraudulent <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what we learned that's what we learned <laughs> yeah. that uh, you know you could say okay this risk i'll price it mm. i'll price the risk mm. but uh, you price it 100% higher mm. the guy still buys it from you that means something wrong find a way to get a you know claim out from you yeah. uh, so so there's a curve so we've learned over a period of time to say no mm. uh, no in and and just be just operate in cohorts that we are confident of Got or it. at least we are reasonably confident of yeah. Got it. just to add to that i think yeah. the big big change in like echo versus the rest is i think the change in model which is going direct to consumer getting all the information there's a journey in terms of getting consumer data to price that risk better uh, but right now i think the biggest delta which is cost uh, you know is is going direct to consumer and be able to underwrite that which is very hard for the other players to do that in the market because of the agent led model because, the, because they sell to a different person they don't sell yeah. to the consumer they sell to a distributor got it okay how about other new age players and all that uh so far uh, you know uh, we've we've seen a lot of new players coming in but largely in the distribution game uh, we've seen one or two new guys uh, uh, who came alongside us and and had better technology better models but again they have somehow for reasons best known resorted to the intermediation model because it's it's very it's highly predictable in terms of scale. you build your distribution bro- broker relationships there's a certain commission range you operate with it's it's fairly predictable you know uh, business to get so so far we haven't seen anybody as a manufacturer go direct to consumer at all um we've seen some guys on the distribution side but uh, uh frankly without without being dismissive of any of them we've lived that cycle to know that yeah somebody has to really do some really differentiated job for to make a distribution you know model work and on on that front policy bazaar has taken the poll uh even now policy bazaar has has challenges of growth and you know and 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 some of the profitability even after being a public company uh um and and so so i'm not quite convinced on you know the personally not quite convinced on the distribution models manufacturing of the product i don't think anyone's taken a direct Uh, direct approach and i'm just to add to that so it's not a panacea that you know you build a direct to consumer manufacturing company and you know everything will be hunky dory uh, so there is a lot of risk which comes with it right so you are spending a lot of money up front in terms of marketing dollars and acquiring a pool of customers that can be risky so first you, one one needs to write these yeah. underwrite these customers well uh, in the early days your the company is small so so you need to write this risk really really well second it has an offline component to it which is you know network garages etc so you have to build out a supply of these garages and make sure the customer experience at the time of claim is is correct and finally you know the the retention of these cohorts right needs to be needs to be maintained and all these small things add up and thankfully i think over the last 5 years yeah. we have worked on each of these things incrementally to make sure that each of these things are tight and you know very very nice to say that now 
I think Echo's retention would be best in the industry today. So uh, our retention is by uh, this is very stark. So our retention is about seventy five percent. So we retain about seventy five percent of the customers. Car and customers. What's the what's the industry? industry retention is about forty five percent. So the delta is is and Huge. and the reason is that the broker or the dealer in the middle is flipping customers out for yeah. higher commission. Mm. Uh, uh, we don't have that problem. Okay, you know? they get a better commission, better than commission with somebody else. And, and so the, the, the way distributors do this is they have a relationship with you. They'll tell you, Abhinav, uh, you know, ABC company today time not claim nahi de raha, ab yahan se mm. like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it from there. Yeah. But essentially, he has a commission, you know, a contest going on, double commission yeah. for this month or whatever, and you're flipped. Uh, in in so, so not having that relationship really has a huge play on your economics. Got it. Got yeah. It. Any other learnings from the Intel? We talked about US, maybe China, or any other global learnings that uh, on on how this insurance industry is. I think this is yeah. one thing which we discussed on monoline versus uh, you know multi-line. Yeah. Products. Yeah. I I I think one of the things so uh, is is that you know. Uh, in a risk business, and I think globally also, we've uh, you need to have very strong balance sheets and you need to weather some of these risks because you will have underwriting losses. It's impossible not to have losses on, you know, uh, um, every year, uh, one or two cities for us bleed mm -hmm. in auto. In spite of getting the metrics right, uh, you know, there are heavy rains in Chennai, cars of flood. We'll, we, we, we'll pay out crores and claims in that 20 days when thousands of cars are you know, uh, uh, submerged or now not working or whatever it is, you will have natural calamities. Now, you can't expect to make a profit, uh, you know, in that year, in that cohort, you, you or, or make any, in fact, you'll probably wipe out two years worth of gains in that one natural catastrophe. COVID, you will, you will, you know, uh, uh, companies lost a lot of money. Uh, uh, and, and that's the nature of the game, that there will be these, you know, black swan, uh, okay. black swan events, and now with climate change and all this crap, far more, Regularly. far more frequently. So you have to understand that having a, you know, probably a portfolio of risks is better because something or the other will not work mm. uh, and drag you that particular year or uh, so. Uh, not being um, a monoline insurer. So if you're, if, if there are constant floods happening in cities, uh, you will continue to bleed money. Uh, if you are only a health insurer in India, we have standalone health insurance companies who do only health. They took a very large hit during COVID because there is nothing else mm. subsidizing mm -hmm. those uh, uh, those losses, and you can't get away from these you know uh, black swan uh, events. So I think one of the other approaches, coincidentally, partly by chance, partly as we've evolved and understood our business better, is to is to constantly have a, a portfolio view of risks. That okay, if 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 auto, we have to absorb some losses. We have health. If health, we have to absorb some losses. We have gadgets and travel, and not all of it will go down at the same. Uh, uh, but same but maybe the other thing is uh, how does data help us figure out fraud, right? So yeah. one one is this you know distribution of the risk. Yeah. But the other big thing that uh, you're open to is uh, how does fraud affect? Yeah. So so we we are way better have we figured out fraud completely the answer is no, no. Uh, sometimes we bake it in the price because the long tail is too hard to solve we figured out not fraud but we figured out people who uh, uh it's it's not even fraud in delhi for example it's a highly theft prone you know ghaziabad faridabad you know you have the, the border up bihar and you know there's lots but that, of, that's an opportunity actually that's so, not so yeah. we've yeah we've been able to now pinpoint and cluster yes clustered even even a place like ghaziabad into safe pockets and not safe pockets mm -hmm. you know uh, so the customer might be great mm. you know and everything checks out safe driver all of it 
but unfortunately he lives in one of those faridabad row houses where parking is outside it's huge risk because then the car gets stolen so i think just getting sharper and sharper with data uh, i think it's it's getting better for us and that's a really long term advantage because you can't build this overnight it will come with years and years of uh, learning got it so two aspects i want to touch upon quickly one is it's a highly regulated industry so um any learnings from that or any changes needed on that that's one and the second we'll come to in a bit is on the capital intensity we touched upon it no i i think um, highly regulated area and uh, and maybe we'll talk about it but <laughs> you know somebody like varun can can manage um, you know the the difficulties and complicated complications that come along with it um you know early on i think the the, the hardest thing was to get a license um i think over time um you know until until actually recently uh, fdi requirement was only 49 it was capped at 49% so one had to uh struggle to find the domestic capital uh, it's been eased to 74% so it's become easier um i think there have been some talks about you know reducing the solvency capital yeah. uh which is the amount of um, capital you just need to have parked in the balance sheet to cover the risk in case you know there is a risky uh, you know proposition going forward so so that money is not being utilized to run the business it's just like sort of diff- it's like a fixed deposit of sorts so so that if it was x it is required to be now less than x uh, there's been talks about that so we want to talk about that yeah so so i think at a uh, i think for any regulated business or at least in our world what we uh, is is having tremendous patience to continue to work with the regulator uh, because sometimes they have a very different world view uh, right wrong you know nobody to judge because when they look at the problem and we've had very frank conversations with the regulator that hey this is common sense please allow this or this is good for the customer or blah 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 but they're always thinking of that last slightly uneducated customer who may get impacted and how this could get misused you know because you know uh, that's their job so so you uh, even on capital structures or anything they, they're always thinking of you know what could go down uh, versus what could go right uh, so it's it's been a very patient journey to continue to educate to continue to work with them to continue to build your reputation with them so that when they take you more and more you know uh, your suggestions or your uh thought process more and more seriously i think one thing as aco we are proud of and and we've done well is we've we've maintained very very high governance bars and and uh ensured that with the regulator we've never come across as as um, you know uh uh trigger happy or or uh you know or reckless uh in in any way that now over 5 6 years has given us a seat at the table where we you know uh, looked at as as uh the innovator a responsible innovator mm-hmm. not not just you know a new age kid on the block who wants to uh, so, so yeah yeah advantage. yeah so i think that takes time that takes tremendous amount of you know uh, patience that takes a you know a leadership who is capable of apart from just me building a team which can represent at the uh, represented at the regulator's office uh, i think this has been good for us good in in some sense like chubrato said it's a huge huge moat today we're looking at life insurance or expansion uh, we have a reasonable sort of welcoming regulator uh, given given our uh, given our history uh, so so i i think that's been pretty critical and and the uh, what abhinav was saying the regime is easing out they want more penetration to happen they want more growth to happen so they're reducing capital adequacy ratios which will make us more 
uh, which will require us lesser capital. Okay, now to you, Abhinav and uh, Shubhutami, we'll start with you. Can you share one aspect of Varun's uh, journey, like in, from building a business that new founders, the next gen of founders can learn from? It's actually built into his business, his ability to take risk. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but, you know, you look at it between when we started, which is probably 10 years ago and now, uh, we have actually had to kind of reconfigure the business in all kinds of different ways. Cow Fox, uh, Cow to, Fox Echo. to Echo and within Echo, you know, uh, the, the different streams that have now come up. So, so it's always been a constant kind of learning. And it's probably true for any company that creates an enduring business in India. You have to have this uh, staying power and grit and all of that is com completely person personified in Varun. But I, I think also importantly, uh, more importantly, one of the things that he kind of uh, does very well is to um, kind of not get carried away by, um, you know, either highs or lows. So, 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 so to be um, level-headed and be able to deal with issues, especially in a regulated sector and, and given the number of, you know, investors that he has on his cap table. So it actually required a lot of you know, very fine uh, management of a uh, lot of different aspects of company building. So I, I think he's done it, you know, phenomenally well and, and will continue to do so over the next coming years. Abhinav? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, so for last eight years now, 2014 yeah, onwards, so it's, it's, been, yeah. it's been eight years and so my son is nine years old. So almost, <laughs> almost. That's how you keep yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, The first time I spoke to Varun, I had Ane in my lap and, you know, while speaking. Yeah, you know, I think if there's one thing which stands out for Varun is just ability to make things happen when it looked almost impossible for anybody else. Um, and I can recount maybe like two, three uh, crucible moments in the journey of, let's talk about ACO for now. Sure. Uh, you know, when we were uh, applying for this license, it was, uh, you know, I mentioned this earlier as well. It, it was very hard to believe that somebody could actually be able to raise this kind of capital as a seed stage money. And this wasn't very common in those days in India. Um, to be able to work with the regulator to, to get the license out, to work with the domestic capital providers to get that capital also. It's, it's very, very difficult. 51%. Yeah, because there was a 51% requirement at, at that point in time of domestic uh, cap table. Very, very difficult. In fact, sometimes, um, you know, I had had this conversation with Varun that why would you choose such a difficult thing to do? I mean, there are other easier things to raise capital for. And even uh, very recently, um, you know, our last capital financing um, and perhaps the only uh, one of the most uh, person who was most agitated was me and and Varun was absolutely cool. I mean, it took us nine months to get uh, not from the regulator for various reasons. And uh, while I was calling him frantically every other day, and he was like, "It'll happen. Don't worry, it'll happen." And <laughs> and you know, he, and he and I was not doing much, but, and he was actually going to the regulator, talking to them every other week, and uh, understanding their requirements and, and solving uh, you know those requirements. So it, it was it was just sort of making things happen when absolutely it looked very very difficult, right? And and also, I mean, the nine months it wasn't just that the regulator; it was also the new investors coming and making sure they are up to date about it. And there was a time when he set up a call when there were all investors in the call. And and this was basically, you know, all the internal investors, also the incoming investors. And the, the round hasn't been done yet. And, and he was absolutely honest about, you know, where we are in the situation. And he asked for our opinion and our advice. 
and uh, it was really nice to have you know the external folks also chip in saying that you know we can also help you get it through mm-hmm. so it was just building that trust in the relationship with these investors while things look seemingly very very difficult got it that's great huh yeah it's always better to sleep so, well so, some <laughs> of the lies again <laughs> so not just my problem yeah. <laughs> make problem. it every <laughs> that's yeah. good man that's yeah. awesome maybe uh, the last question to you is uh, where do you see uh, aqua going uh, you you talked a lot about auto but we haven't touched upon your other uh, yeah. businesses and and also the future plans maybe whatever you want to talk about i think over a period of time our ambition has become we were able to our sort of articulate our ambition far more uh, uh, clearly which is that uh, there is a, a, a like we define it now internally that phase 1 for aqua i don't know whether it takes two more years or five more years uh, is really uh, trying to own the protection wallet uh, of of a retail Uh, uh consumer you know uh so you've got auto you've got health you've got life insurance uh, maybe to some shape and form home insurance that may be possible in india and then you've got all your uh, you know sporadic uh, transactional needs you're traveling you need travel insurance you're buying an expensive gadget you need warranty or whatever all of this put together it, it's sort of your protection you know uh, wallet and we want to own that wallet for a certain segment of users uh, as much as possible uh we have now enough confidence to say that when customers come to our website and say hey why don't you have health you know they they, they some of customers have emailed and told us that we're waiting for you to you know uh launch because that's the level of credibility the ease the transparency that we've been able to build uh just with one product focusing for four five years you know uh, and 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 doing that so i think uh, the next phase for aqua or the next five years look like ensuring that now now that we have a customer franchise we built out some sort of a brand of course it needs to grow and scale um is really starting to complete that wallet uh, health can be a company in itself life can be a company in itself so we are working towards ensuring we're true to the category we deep solve the category but at a horizontal level we start owning more and more of that uh, wallet so what you'll see from aqua is is uh probably uh four into one new category deeply every year to try and complete that wallet this year is all about health hopefully next year will be all about life got it yeah cool on that yeah. note thank you so much for coming and sharing uh, the journey on aqua and uh, wish you and the company the very best thanks abhinav subrato for sharing you. your perspective as well thank really you. appreciate thank it you. thank you thank you okay. that was an awesome conversation which i thoroughly enjoyed and learned a lot from i hope you did too all the best to varun and his team as they build the future of insurance tech in india thanks to you for listening and please do tweet us at axel_india we'd love to hear from you please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already our website is c2scale.com/insights where you can find other such episodes from our series that's all from us today stay safe thanks again for listening and goodbye <laughs> Thank you.